They say the world can be hard, cruel, and ugly. Trust me, it gets worse if you're hungry and thirst. Doesn't push you from position, last place to first. Can't build a foundation without having feet in the dirt. So I put in the work, grind harder than most. I don't chase accolades of the living, I'm facing a ghost. That's what makes me the GOAT. Depending on who you ask, my brother, whatever task. Got it covered like a mask, guaranteed they can't see me at the open run. Cause I cook competitors until they look well done. Don't act like you don't know where I held from. I had to climb about the trenches, sit on benches till my time had come. Don't be mad at the player, be mad at the game. Sneak this in the hating, that's a flag on the play. Me falling off, huh? That'll be the day I'm like, bolt in the race, leave the track, flan bay, it's the open run. One thing I've learned about everything is that I know absolutely nothing at all. Humbly for a cat who feels like he knows a little bit about a little bit of anything. I know a little something about something, but I can't tell you what I do know. Then I'd like to welcome you to The Open Run with Will Strickland. That would be me. The Open Run with Will Strickland is brought to you by the fine folks at Press. We are Press.net. I can be found across these rough interweb streets at W underscore Strickland and the number one on Twitter, Will Strickland and the number one on IG and across all streaming platforms where podcasts can be found. There is a rumor, and I hate to be on Conjecture Corner this early in the podcast, but it's been noted, I will say it like that, that the league or sources around the league are suggesting that personal financial implications for the players requesting a trade should happen, but why? Why can't a player request a trade? Now, I get not honoring your contract and wanting to force your way out, but somehow this was never a problem until you got free agency. For those who don't know the history, and I am keen on offering some historical markers and lessons for why this is not a new phenomenon, many don't realize one of the people that should be more considered in the conversation of who is the GOAT of the National Basketball Association, the artist formerly known as Ferdinand Louis Alcindor Jr., forced his way out of Milwaukee to play in L.A. Not because of a vaccine, not because the players weren't good enough, because he wanted to be somewhere that was more culturally and ethnically diverse for his personal taste, not anything that had to do with basketball at all. Eventually, Milwaukee honors that. A couple years later, after he wins a couple more MVPs out there in Los Angeles, there's a young man who is plying his trade in Lansing, Michigan takes his team on to the 1979 NCAA Finals and wins over one Larry Joe Bird and knows that he's going to declare for the draft as a sophomore. But he realizes that a team that was terrible in the NBA at the time would have the number one pick in the draft, the Chicago Bulls, which if you, you know, back in the days, they used to have territorial drafts where a player from that area would go to the NBA team in order to drum up interest in that team. They need a frozen envelope back then. So Oscar Robertson played at the University of Cincinnati. Guess where he played coming out of college? Cincinnati Royals. So imagine Magic Johnson playing for the Chicago Bulls or Larry Bird playing for the Indiana Pacers. Could have happened if they still had the territorial draft. You know, where people can tell you where you need to go to play instead of you being able to select in certain places. And I get when you get drafted, you go there and then you play out your contract and you go somewhere else. But let me get back to the story. So Johnson, noting that He'd probably be picked by the Bulls, threatened them, saying, look, if you guys select me first, I'm going back to school. So as was willed by Magic Johnson, he got his wish to play for Dr. Jerry Buss, go out to L.A., hang out with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and the rest of the Lakers, while the Chicago Bulls got the great and illustrious David Greenwood. 
couple years after that, the Bulls still terrible. Drafted a young man out of North Carolina by the name of Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Imagine Magic Johnson's in Chicago. Would Jordan have selected to go to Chicago or opted out? Because you know those old school guys. They never want to play with each other, right? At least that's how the prevailing narrative goes today. As a total misnomer. Because it didn't happen the way you imagine it. So why? Why can these guys like Ben Simmons, like James Harden, force their way out of the contracts? They're not satisfied for whatever the reason is. Or opt out of the season like it seems that Kyrie Irving might just do for whatever his reasons. Speaking of Ben Simmons, he reports back to the Sixers. He doesn't play in the last preseason game. Don't know if he's going to start playing at all as he's going through reconditioning. I don't know if that's a double entendre or he's he's getting into shape. We'll find out soon enough. But it seems with social media, the magnifying glass is even sharper and stronger on these guys. But will these things be the story of the 75th anniversary of the National Basketball Association's existence? Or will we pay attention to the players who make up the game and make the game great and carry on the traditions of the players who came before them, mostly on the court? So tonight, legends of the association will face off. Wardell Stephen Curry II will face off against the hashtag he who shan't be named in an early season matchup. And I don't know who it means more to. I can say it means more to Golden State than it does to the Lakers. However, if you watch he who shan't be named, his final preseason game came out in like 28 minutes, 30 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, light work. Those guys are ready to play. And going to his 19th season in the association, hard to imagine a guy playing at that level. But again, you've heard the story here before. Steph Curry dropping 41 against Portland, looking razor sharp going into the season. They got shooters. They got shooters. Word to Victor Sweet, I told you to get outside shooters. Some people get the reference. They got outside shooters. They got a system. They got core guys who understand that system. They got another core guy coming back and Clay Alexander Thompson. They have guys who are indoctrinated in the system. Watch out for Golden State. The jury's still out on the Lakers and what they will look like. And we won't see the Lakers until it comes right around February. You'll see the Lakers around February. You'll see flashes of them going up to this. But they know this is a marathon and not a sprint. The young guys are going to have to step up and play with the same urgency as though they haven't won a championship. They don't know what it is. So they can't be out there acting like rock stars. Same thing goes in Brooklyn. As the first matchup of the evening goes between Kevin Wayne Durant and Giannis Ugo LaTerrence Atentacumpo. Yes, I gave him that middle name. Not Ugo. LaTerrence. As the reigning defending Milwaukee Bucks open the new campaign against the presumptive champions, the Brooklyn Nets, who will be without Kyrie Andrew Irving. But in their final preseason game, I noticed something with Brooklyn outside of Kyrie not playing. Is that another New Jersey cat, because Kyrie's from New Jersey, Carl Anthony Towns, who I spoke about last week. His family has seven members, close and immediate family. Seven people passed from COVID. And I thought it was kind of cool that his former high school coach, Dave Turco, was now the head coach at Keene College there in New Jersey. As part of Towns' induction into his high school's Hall of Fame, they also announced that they would name the floor after Jacqueline Towns. Shouts out to both Brooklyn and Minnesota for making that happen in New Jersey for Carl Anthony Towns. I thought that was a cool, very nice touch by both. What I might not find as cool 
is the simple complexity of one Kyrie Andrew Irving. Or at least how he's being perceived in the public view. Now, I know I have been guilty of calling him World B Flat. I still like that nickname. I think it's hot. Calling him Mercurial, which he is. But I will fight to the death for his right to believe in what he wants to believe in. To fight for that thing. I will do that. I also stand on the side of the Brooklyn Nets. Who have every right to say, look, we respect everything that Kyrie is going through and what he's deciding to do. But we also have our obligations to our fan base, to our league, to our players to move forward. In that sense, they've decided that with everything going on, they're not going to offer a four-year, $187 million contract extension to Kyrie Irving. Who clearly said on his IG, I don't want to lose money. You think I want to, but this is what it's worth for me. I know Dennis Schroeder is in Boston right now going, damn dog, I thought I fumbled the bag. But don't look at it that way. I guess it's cute and funny if we're trying to be the funniest guy in class, talking about it on IG or Twitter, whatever the case might be. Whatever your social medium of choice is. But the reality is that in order for this to happen in Brooklyn, for them not to offer this money, someone or someones had to co-sign on it. Introducing James Edward Harden Jr., who has not signed his extension yet. I spoke of this on last week's program. And Kevin Wayne Durant. Probably the most important name of all that, outside of Joe Size, the owner of the Brooklyn Nets. And Kevin Durant is continuing to bring content to his portfolio outside of basketball. If you're not familiar, there's a new show coming on toward the end of this month, I think on the 29th, called Swaggers, an Apple TV show featuring the son of a man who made a decision about his career long, long ago when he was with a group, like a basketball team. And saw that something wasn't right for him. And he decided to leave. His name was O'Shea Jackson. His son's name is O'Shea Jackson Jr. You might know him better as Ice Cube leaving NWA. Is there a linear comparison here between Ice Cube and Kyrie Irving? Probably not. I've heard people call Kyrie the Kanye of the NBA. Okay, I kind of get it and kind of don't. But okay, we can work with it. But it's about independence. It's also about understanding that two things can exist in the same space and be true. Kyrie Irving is right for fighting for what he believes in. He's absolutely right, 100%. I don't have to agree with him to understand he has that right and I will fight for that right. Guess who else is correct? The Brooklyn Nets, who have every right to move their business forward the way they see fit, no matter what Kyrie's issues are with the goings-on on the planet. They're both correct. So the choice is simple. Make yours and then live with it. Much like you made the decision to listen to the news, views, and truths that you choose on the NBA and beyond with yours truly on The Open Run with Will Strickland. So come back for more of my very special guest right after this. always rep my people yeah. so shouts out to esi fire and security services 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you can see. You can't really see the logo. It's hidden in there in the foliage mm-hmm. on the hat. <laughs> but shouts out to your brother uh, yeah. doing his thing. And we're definitely going to get into being not just only an entrepreneurionaire. Uh, are you familiar with the terminology? Entrepreneurionaire? Entrepreneurionaire. I like yeah, that. that. That is my nick nomenclature, but I'm rec- recruiting. And basically, what makes you an entrepreneurionaire mm-hmm. is not just the money or the things you amass as a result of your efforts working, mm-hmm. but the energy of the people you keep in your circumference that keep you rich. Yeah. yeah. Right? Absolutely. So the value uh, is not just in the money and the things, but in the people you invest in to be a part of your movement, of, of what you do, no doubt. right? And so this is part of the reason that you're here today. So we're going to get into this in a second. For sure. All right, I appreciate the time, man. Good seeing you, bro. You too, man. I'm, I, I, your brother told me I would see you yesterday. Yeah, I was ripping. I'm going to have my granddaughters, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, different life, different life. Love it, though. I had, twin, had my twin granddaughters. We hit the park up. We got some grub, made them some mac and cheese. Yeah, we did it up. No doubt. It's beautiful. Yeah, I was tired of with them all day. Mm, it's a good thing, though. It's, I mean, it's a day to rest with your peoples. Were you with your son yesterday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, uh, but here's the thing, and I was telling Pum this the same thing, right? My relationship, and I have one. Mm-hmm. So my relationship with my son evolves. So what he was when he was a, a, a wee lad mm-hmm. versus what he was as a preteen versus what he was as a teenager. And now as a young adult who has gone off, was in the military, came back, doing his own thing. Mm-hmm. The growth is in me. It has to be in me primarily because I have to realize that he's not the little baby anymore. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That I have to learn that relationship and kind of navigate my understanding of our relationship as adults mm-hmm. and my adult child and how to still parent him without parenting him. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. Being there is a different level of being a parent. And I'm learning all of this. And right. I only can learn that through interaction. Like if I was closer to it, it, it would be different. But because we're in like we're in two different countries. Right. And so that's something that I'm learning. I'm going through, man. So yeah. I, I enjoy it, you know, and being aware of it probably is the best thing, because if you weren't aware of it, it can cause lots of problems. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I feel you on that. I feel you on that. I got two boys, two girls. So I, got, I got my son. My older son is 20. 25, 26, mm-hmm. and I got a four-year-old. So I'm back on just when I was getting to the level where you at with your son, you know, getting that understanding. Now I got, you know, I got his little twin. Right. You know, so I'm I'm, I'm switching, code switching between, you know, trying to, you know, trying to see my older son grow up into a man and let him do his thing and give him space when I got to give him space sometimes. Mm-hmm. Being able to like, you know, be super dad for my, my little one, you know, you know what I mean? It is a definitely balancing act. And how do you do it with your daughters? Like, how old are your daughters? 29 and 28. Okay. Mm-hmm. And do you have a similar relationship with them as far as, like, interacting with them or having that kind of balancing act between, you know, being the dad that protects them and then also knowing that there are certain things you can't stop them from doing no matter what you say or do? They ran me ragged in their teens. So I got real familiar with that process at an early age, you know what I mean? Mm. So when they hit their 20s, they were pretty much doing their own thing. I'm, 
I talk more to my oldest daughter because she's usually here. You know what I mean? She's mm-hmm. she between here and Chicago. My middle daughter, my middle child, she she's she. Me and my uncle were just talking. My uncle's my prep guy. He's my prep guy in my kitchen. So me and him was just talking, and he was like, "How's um, how my how's my my, my great niece doing? The one that's like me?" And I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "He said she's the loner. She likes, you know, she does." You know, and she, and when he said it, I was like, "Bro, you absolutely right. She's exactly like you. Like she just does her own thing. She don't mess with nobody. <laughs> She'll check in every once in a blue moon. And then she and if you if you don't know her, you'll take it personal. But mm. I, you know, I know her like the back of my hand, so I don't take it personal. You know, but they're the, they're the exact same person. So." You know, my, and then my oldest daughter, she's the exact opposite. She loves being around family. She loves mm. the nucleus of the family and the, the one that always in the mix of the drama and always in the mix of resolving right. things. You know? So it's just, you know, I kind of, they, they're at that age now where they just, they do their own thing. And I just kind of, you know, I'm dad, I'm here. I ain't going nowhere. Y'all check in. You need to check in. And I got you. Right. And I, I, mean, I think that's the hard part for me is that I always, I, I want to check in, especially with the, the distance. And you do with the proximity of having your eldest daughter close enough to where you can interact on a more regular basis than your other daughter. Yeah. And and then you have your your, your, your baby man child because mm-hmm. you're dealing with it on a daily basis. So you have like it makes you more aware of the things you didn't do. Right. Right. Earlier on. Right. And um, that awareness is key, man. Mm-hmm. I am a grown ass man now. So it's like <laughs> my, my little one. I get to enjoy, even even though we don't, even though he you know he lives in D.C. So mm. it's crazy as him and well, in uh, uh, Maryland, so right outside of D.C. Mm. But him and my oldest son live in the same proximity of each other. Right. I go out when I go out there to see my younger one. I hardly even even see my oldest son, and I have a grand. He has a grandson, you know. Right. He's just like me, so I mm. got I got I have to learn not to take things personal. Mm. I'm like grown, you know what I mean. If I'm gonna see him, I'm gonna see him. Sometimes if I don't, I don't. And I hey, used to be coming up. I, I can't. Ready. I I can't look at my son's IG sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, yo, man, you know this forever. Mm-hmm. You need a new gig. They coming on like, yo, you out here wilding out, yo. And I live your life. Right. But at a certain point, it becomes, what are you gonna do? Right. And even if you do work for yourself. Yeah. There's still the way you carry it that will matter to your investors or your partners or the people you want to do business with, because if you could do everything on your own and you didn't have to, you'd be so totally self-sufficient, you wouldn't need a business. Right. Right. But you do. You need people. You need to interact. And if they feel comfortable with who you are and the brand that you're promoting, then they will come to be a part of that party. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. This is dope. I'm keeping this in, just so you know, because um, it's not even part of the interview. No, nah, that's cool. I love that. I, I like the, I like these kind of conversations when I watch when I watch podcasts and when I watch you know interviews. I like when people just talk about real shit. Well, that that's all it is. That's all it is. So um, let's get into it. Give you more of what you asked for. It's the open run with Will Strickland in conversation with my brother, Juice Easy, Bobby Humbert, brother, brother, Bo- brother, brother. What's up, brother? <laughs> I'm great, man. I'm fantastic, man. I see you flourishing. I love it. I got it. I got to clap it up. Strong J. Got to clap it up. Doing your thing. Now, as I do on every podcast when I have my guests come on, I have you run the resume. So if you would, please run your resume, not only with what you're doing now, but how you got here, mm-hmm. especially from an artist standpoint. Mm-hmm. 
well, music got me here, Houston-wise, you know what I mean? Um, and it got me here entrepreneurial-wise because I started out, my first my first deal that I got wasn't even a record deal. My first deal I got was a publishing deal with Warner Chapel. Mm-hmm. What year was that? That was, um, I was 19, so that was um, 91. Right. 91. So that tur- I, I learned very quickly that um, that's more important than the record side. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes, like, sir. Yeah, Part of it down, and even though you know it was a record, it was a publishing deal where I actually negotiated that I, you know, along with an attorney friend of mine, that I would be giving up a portion of my my publishing. Um, it the, the reward for doing that was a lot was a was a, was most artists at that time knew not com- coming out the box never having a deal didn't have that kind of opportunity. Like I think I gave them like maybe ten percent of my publishing, for, and I got mm. free. I could go on any recording studio in the world that they had. Um, I got like I think I got like a hundred thousand dollars up front. You know, nineteen years old. You know what I mean? Right. Without no records being out, just off right. the what I did for somebody for other artists. You know what I mean? So it was a it was a huge learning experience, and it really set me on on my my path of becoming an entrepreneur. And then coming to Houston just kind of solidified it. So you get the deal, one chapel, ninety one. When did you move to Houston? Well, I came here in ninety nine between ninety and ninety one. It's still kind of we me and Palm and we always have. We always kind of go back and forth on when we actually came here. I think it was ninety when we came here because I, 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 I believe I turned eighteen when we were on tour, right? Like in eighty nine, and then we came here. The I believe we came here the year after, and I turned eighteen when I was here in Houston. Okay, so who you on tour with back in in like eighty nine, ninety? We were on tour with YZ. Mm-hmm. We, did, uh, we did we 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 did all of the southern you know all of Louisiana. We did this whole region out here in, in the in the Gulf. And uh, we were here for four months. We shot. I mean, we did everything from shooting videos. That we worked on a movie trailer. We did. We did a little bit of everything, you know. Um, and I was, you know, green, fresh, fresh out of fresh out of high school. Mm-hmm. I think I had maybe one serious relationship in high school. You know, I was young. I was naive. I was, you know, I didn't know nothing about women. Too too tough. All right. I came here and just got a crash course in you know, <laughs> rap life one hundred and one. Right. Even though right. You know, my whole high school. Years I was doing shows on the weekend with Z. You know, mm. we always did shows on the on the East Coast. Mm. But um, when you say was, on the East Coast, like because you talked about Houston a second ago. Mm-hmm. When you say the East Coast, where are you from originally? I'm from a little town in Jersey called Hikestown. Hikestown okay. is in between Trenton and Princeton. And if mm. anybody knows Trenton and Princeton, they're like polar opposites. Mm. Hikestown being in the middle of that, it's like the best of both worlds. Like it's it's a bunch of scholarly Princeton thinking dudes who sell dope, right? <laughs> wild out, carry guns, do all kinds of crazy. Gentlemen thugs, gentlemen right. thugs. In this right. small little one horse town, you know, that's literally about probably about a mile and a half. You can walk from one end to the other. We've done it. We did it a million times growing up as kids. But I love growing up in that little town because I got I got this microcosm of what the world was 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 you know. At the time, we we were this small group of black folks in this little town, you know. And there's a bunch of Jewish cats and a bunch of Indian cats and a bunch of Asian cats. And we went so we went to bar mitzvahs and we went to to mosques. And we, you know, my mom let us do a whole bunch of different cool stuff growing up in that town because we got exposed to all of it going to that high school and going to the mm-hmm. Bramble school that I went to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so Hikestown, New Jersey, is, is is my birthplace, my little. So and we're gonna get into that in a second about the whole New Jersey to Houston thing, but. You said you were doing shows with YZ. For those who don't know, big hit. 
uh, think of the master plan back in the 90s, big deal. And and what drew you to go to Houston from New Jersey? Well, I, I, YZ's album, Sons of the Father, came out, I believe, in 89. Mm-hmm. I wrote I wrote two songs off that album. I wrote In Control of Things, which was, was his like big underground hit on the East Coast before mm-hmm. Master grew up. So um, so I was always opening up for, you know, I was like his hype man, you know. Mm-hmm. So when the opportunity came, actually the year before that, he had went to Houston um, and he took my DJ at the time, this guy from Brooklyn named DJ Drew. So him and Drew, when Drew came back, Drew was like, fine, yeah, yo, you got to come to Houston. Right. And in my head, I'm thinking, well, y'all riding horses? What were y'all doing out there? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm like, so he's like, no, bro, I'm telling you, I'm telling you it's a different, it's a different planet. Mm. So, uh, the next year, they, uh, somebody else offered him a tour, like a little small tour to go out there. And so uh, he, Z, Z was like, yo, you got to come with us this time. So, And you locked it in when you got down here? At the time, I was hustling. I was hustling and I was in the studio. That's all I did. It, mm. it wasn't going to college. You know, wanted to be an artist at one point because I've always been a drawer, a draw, you know, but um, wanted to be a graphic designer at one point. But then music and the streets just was like, you know, make up your mind. You know what I mean? Right. When he called me to do that, that was like perfect timing for me to break away from at least the street stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I went to Houston four months and that was like that. That was boot camp. That changed my life. No doubt. So. I know you were with a group called the Funk Fam. Like you tell me what the Funk Fam was all about. Okay, so the Funk Family, so I didn't I didn't like being a solo artist, right? Right. So coming out coming out of Z's tutelage from being in, in, in the studio with him and learning how to be in the studio, because Tony D kind of just pulled me under his wing when Z introduced me to him when we went to his house one day, like in, when I was in like when I was like 14, 15 years old. This like 80, 85, 86. So we go to Tone's house and Tone was like, so Z told me you rhyme. I want to hear you rhyme. So I spit something for him. He's like, all right, I got, I got a beat for you. You know. So I wrote this song called, uh, I think it was called "I'm the Principal." You know, everything. Mm. Like, I'm the principal. I'm the, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did that joint. And Tone loved it, and um, I think we recorded one more joint. This joint called "Throwing Bolos." That was really, really dope. And that was all just for kind of preparing me to be kind of writing for Z and being being around Z and and kind of helping with the album and getting in the studio with him. Um, so, you know, once we finished doing the album, um, you know, the next stage for me was to come out. You know, I went, I was like, Z, next, you know, I want to get a deal, you know. And he was more like, you know, young boy, wait your turn. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I'm the, I'm just one of those hands-on people. I just like, I don't wait for nothing. You know what I mean? So right. I started, started putting my team together. My team was just a bunch of niggas from around my way. My younger brother born, um, my man Cuba, who's like my best friend to this day. Mm. One of my dancers, my man L Black, he was my one of our other dancers. Back in the day, you had to have a dance. You had to have well, question. You know what I mean? Um, and then one one of Cuba's, well, actually, one of my homies from Houston introduced me to this cat from Jersey. Ironically, when I got back from from, from Houston, this kid named Styles. Styles became a part of Funk Family, Mr. Styles, and then. Uh, my boy AWOL. This is a bunch of my my homies that I went that I would always bring to the studio with me. You know, so mm-hmm. we didn't have a name at the time, so it was just like we all like family. We all grew up. Most of us grew up together. So, you know, funk was the big thing back in the back in the eighties and the nineties. You know, actually, we 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 came up with that before like it popped off with Dre and all of them. Mm-hmm. So, 
Trump family just became like our mantra. Like that's 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 what we are. You know what I mean? Now I look at the the proximity mm-hmm. of especially like central northern New Jersey mm-hmm. to this place they now refer to as Shaolin. Mm-hmm. And building a family like you built, mm-hmm. resembling kind of what they did with Wu Tang, mm-hmm. and you know the affiliation I had there, and then you see the Funk family come down because you remember how we met, right? I don't. I was thinking about that today. I was I was trying to figure out. I was like, what did we meet? We meet. So, uh, yeah, my okay. radio because people knew like it, on the underground in Houston, that was it. Like no Literally. disrespect to Kids Jam. And everything they did at, at KTSU because they were really like a provider for me to understand that I could do that, mm-hmm. but do it in a way that came from like what I was doing on the East Coast and like right. respecting what was happening in Houston right. and trying to find that comfortable medium. But we met at the station. You guys had dreads and everything. Y'all came up deep. Yeah, that's usually how we how we how we how we came. Roll deep. You got to roll deep in the nineties. Mm-hmm. And. Found out that uh, you and I had a common acquaintance. Okay. Um, that we used to deal with. Oh, you know what? I vaguely remember this now. It was, you know, it was her birthday yesterday. Word is born. Really? Word is born. Because it pops up on Facebook and like, oh, this is crazy how all this is so serendipitous that we're talking right now. Mm. And, um, you know, she had some issues. She had her troubles, but that's how we connected. We, really? You know what? Like, we was like Spider Man pointing at Spider Man. Like, Oh, you know her? <laughs> and we started talking, playing the music. We just I got close with you and Palm, his brother, you know, and it's just the relationship 30 years deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and hey, so bro. proud to see like you go take this thing that you've done with music, and it's always been about family. I was talking to your nephew yesterday. Mm-hmm. He had the greatest the greatest examples mm-hmm. of what it is to become an entrepreneur. And be rich in whatever it is you want to do, but also with the people around you who support you and want to see you flourish. No doubt. Right. So what were you able to, I guess, in that whole experience of stepping away from the streets and transferring from New Jersey into Houston and becoming a part of Houston and Houston hip hop lore? What was the most important thing to you in that time? Like what changes and okay, at a certain point, much like we were talking about our kids earlier. Mm-hmm. What was that point that you said, okay, this is cool and this is great, but maybe it's time to do something else that's still rooted in that that the ethos of doing for yourself, of mm-hmm. building something with family. Mm-hmm. What was that? What was that tipping point? Man, um, for uh, for me, I had kids so damn early. I was the first one I think out of my crew. I think one of the mm-hmm. first, not the first one to have a kid. You know, mm-hmm. I had my kids all back to back. My kids are. 29, 28, 29, you know what I mean? So just being a dad, like a, just being a dad and being a dad from, cause I wasn't in, I wasn't, my, my oldest daughter, I was in a relationship with her mom. My two younger, my two younger kids, I wasn't in, in, a, in a relationship. We were just really good, close friends. Mm. Um, so I've always been the outside dad. So I was always, you know, traveling back and forth from Jersey to Houston, Jersey to Houston, Jersey to Houston. And not wanting that to be the rest of my life, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like having having a didn't did, not knowing didn't ha- not having a plan B, because once I started leaving the street stuff alone, you know that's a double entendre, right? What's that? Plan B. <laughs> yeah, it is. No doubt. <laughs> but go ahead. I'm sorry. You're an undercover rapper at heart. 
You know what it is. <laughs> but making that, making that quickly, no, quick, quickly like learning that I'm going to have to grow up super fast. Mm. If I want to figure out a way to make sure that my kids don't go through what I had to go through. Because me and my, we, we, grew up, we grew up, we didn't look like we were poor. Because my mom mm. is tolerated us looking like we were poor. Mm. When I think about it, I have the same picture in my house. You probably see it in my brother's house. But there's a there's a picture of our apartment complex. It's a close-up, and it's four doors. And ours is the top right-hand one. And there's, a, um, there's an AC unit that's outside the, the window. And that house, that apartment was literally a one-bedroom with a den. Mm. My, mom, my mom and her, her her boyfriend that raised me from kindergarten to, uh, you know, I graduated high school, were, were in the den. And me, Palm, my brother Sean, my brother Zaire, um, we all stayed in that other room. And then in the summertime, my two sisters would come down from Newark. Mm. So it was six of us in that, you know, in that one little room in the summertime. Right. You know, for, from kindergarten <laughs> to I graduated high school down there. You know what I mean? Right. And I knew if I didn't do something drastically, these three kids that I had, you know, in my early 90s, I was going to repeat that same pattern. And even though their mm. moms were both phenomenal because, you know, they were beasts, you know, they both were on point. But we were all kids trying to right. figure it out. And so I felt like I had to figure out, I had to figure it out extra fast. Like, get your mm. shit down, dude, because these kids ain't going to, they're not going to stop growing and not going to stop eating. And, no and, doubt. And it made me just get on my grind. It made me not make excuses. When, when a lot of my other friends that were trying to do music would make excuses about what they were going to do with their music, I was, I'd was i be the one on the plane with no money in my pocket and the buddy pass, flying to L.A., shopping my music, flying to New York, shopping my music. I, I used to sleep in Brooklyn with my homeboys. Mom's sewing. She had a sewing room. Right. She had a full basement downstairs that nobody was renting at the time. But she, but I said, no, I'll stay in, I'll stay in the sewing room because I just want to mm. be able to be close to New York. And I would stay in her sewing room sleep on the floor, get up on the train, get up in the morning early, go to New York, shop my music, go back to Jer- go to Jersey, see my family, come back to come back to Brooklyn. I would do that on a regular all from like when I got back from Houston and 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 even before I went to Houston. Mm. You know, it made me that having kids so young made me really realize that if I'm going to do this music, I got to really I got to really get on my, you know, get on my shit. No doubt. And I think we spoke Right after, or when my son was graduating, you would tell me about plans you had in the state of Colorado. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. as the laws and stuff were changing, you know, like you showed me like the idea, the blueprint was perfect. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And things happen sometimes, you have to pivot. Right. Right. And things didn't go the way you had intended them to go. Mm-hmm. But there had to be something about you. And I'm well aware of like, you know, your mother and her influence. Uh, with the, the you know the the, the cleaning service mm-hmm. and, and you know, not one of you oh come <laughs> on man they, come on man yeah. come on now yeah um and how she was like an impetus for that kind of drive that 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 drive to make sure no matter what you take care of you and yours mm-hmm. no matter what you have to do and you can't let your pride or emotions get in the way of that right like you said y'all were broke but she wouldn't let you go out looking like you were yeah. right so that energy is in you. And you made a pivot and you started thinking about your health as wealth, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. talk to me a little bit about Juice Easy Bobby. Man, that just kind of that kind of spawned from I grew up Muslim, mm-hmm. right? So I took I, I grew up Muslim. My mom joined the nation, I believe, when I was 
around the time I was born, I don't, I, you know, we still, we still on the fence of if I was, if I was born Muslim pre pre preborn or right. <laughs> I just have been Muslim all, all my life. Even though I don't practice like I like I used to when I was younger, I, I I still consider myself Muslim. So I always grew up eating pretty healthy. And even though we were poor, my mom always made it an effort to try to be conscious about the stuff that she let us put into our bodies. And um, so as I got older and I started leaving, leaving the nest, um, I found out that I had high blood pressure when I was like 24, 25. So mm-hmm. at the time, I didn't know it was as bad as it is. I just thought, you know, I look good. I feel good, you know. I think I was around 150 at the time, 150 pounds. You know, I still had a six pack. You know, right? You know, <laughs> around wild and just you know, not not having a care in the world. And I was like, I, I deal with the high blood pressure thing when it becomes a problem, but not knowing that it's always going to be a problem if you don't eat about it. You know what I mean? So, um, so once I um, once I started coming oh, out, here, you hear that? Yeah. I guess the dude is cutting the grass. So look. Oh, that's what that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, he just. Roll by with a hat on, but that's, <laughs> this is a, we're not in the recording studio, we're re- real life doing our thing. So we good. Cause okay. you said, so you found that you had the high blood pressure and feeling good, but. Found out my twenties that I had high blood pressure, didn't do nothing about it. So I got in my thirties. So I was about to get married. I was married uh, for about five years. So when I, when I started thinking about getting married, I was like, I got to do something about this shit. It's, it's, it was getting out of control. I couldn't really get a hold on it. And even I would try different, you know, I would do vegan for a little while, do vegetarian for a little while, vegetarian for a little while. But I couldn't get a I couldn't get a grasp on get my numbers where they needed to be. So then I started taking heads. Farmer farmer jet. Farmer jet. He's, he's rolling through. He's doing his thing. <laughs> he's doing his ride by. No doubt. So so um once I started getting on meds, I knew that I was at that that bad point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, this is I, I've never been a person that been on like like aspirin or none of that stuff. So, I, right. so talking to my doctor and knowing that he was like, "Look, this is chronic, dude, and if you don't do something about it, that's why it's called a silent killer for a reason. It's going it's going to run up on you, and you're not going to be able to do nothing about it. You're going to have a stroke mm-hmm. or a heart attack or worse. You know what I mean? So that's when I just really started consciously making a, 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 a power move on on the things that I, the things that I eat. Um, and I just really started replacing, you know, I took red meat out of my diet completely, you know, took chicken out of my diet completely, really started focusing on, um, being more plant-based and coming out of do, I love smoothies. So I, I'm, I'm the smoothie. I'm the real smoothie. Guy. So yeah. Coming out of doing smoothies, juicing was like the next transition. <laughs> he don't even see me. Like he's like, into his gig, man. So the smoothie king, yeah. So, so coming out of you know my love for smoothies, uh, juicing was like a natural transition, and then you know that's kind of how that's kind of how we got. You. He just looked at me too. That's <laughs> <turned> me <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So uh, juicing, this is gonna be part of it. it just is what it is. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So then you know so. I started I started juicing a lot more than uh, than doing smoothies, and uh, the, the opportunity presented itself. I was actually in the, in the process of opening up, trying to open up a restaurant called Veggie which was going to be a vegan, vegetarian breakfast spot. And then uh, Hurricane Harvey kind of detoured that little plan. And and when it when it detoured that plan, uh, my girlfriend at the time, who now my fiance, uh, she's a personal trainer. She was like, "Why don't we do like some a juice thing for my?" my clients and see what it does. And I was like, 
it's the same, same, you know, I'm gonna have some juice on the menu. So she had a bunch of recipes, I had some recipes. We went with her recipes, of course. And uh, <laughs> started. Oh, you, you, you planning ahead clearly yeah. um, to make sure you keep peace in the home. But I mean, again, it goes back to being an entrepreneur, you know, right? Mm-hmm. That the people you keep in your circumference, in mm-hmm. your circle, help you to grow. She wasn't taken away from you. You wasn't taken away from her. Right. You built something and you opened the first one when? We opened, well, we started online first. Mm. Online for good from November and late November 2017. We're coming up on our four year anniversary, really. Okay. Um, till, till March of 2018. We were doing it all online. And from the first month that we started, I think the first month we started online, we did like seven or eight thousand dollars and we're like whoa this is this is this could be a real business by the time we opened up our first one which was in the houston galleria uh, we were doing probably around 10 fifteen thousand dollars a month just online just from word of mouth no advertising just people just you know friends, so, better do better that's it yeah and then, uh, so so uh i took a trip to atlanta to kind of tell z about what i was doing and, and he gave me the idea to, to open up in the mall he was like hey this this, this dude um, who has this thing called, um, it's an online thing for, for, for black entrepreneurs. We buy black. Mm, right. Um, Sharif. Sharif's mm. cool. So he says, this guy named Sharif, we buy black. He has a, a kiosk. He has these kiosks in the malls and he mm. sells different stuff from different, you know, black entrepreneurs. You should, you should look into the malls. So I was like, if I'm going to do the mall, I'm going to do, you know, Gal- you know, the Galleria. If I'm going to do the malls, I'm going to do the biggest mall in the city. So as expensive as it was, I shot for, I just shot, you know, Took our shot at the Galleria, and we got up in the Galleria. We launched. I think we opened up in May 2018. We just, right. We didn't look back. Beautiful man. So you now you're are you still in the Galleria? No, no. I closed. It's crazy because we were in the Galleria for two years. We were in the Galleria from 2018 until uh, the month COVID hit. Right. So what happened was I had just opened up. I opened up the Galleria. Then I opened up a storefront here at where my my production kitchen is. Mm. We had two locations by like the summertime of that year, 2018. And then when 2019 rolled around, I wanted to open up another brick and mortar. So I found a spot in Third Ward that I wanted to be. I wanted to strategically keep all of my spots in the hood, like either place fired or come, not gentrified, but on the cusp of being gentrified or just you know. So. Found a place in Third Ward in November of 19. And then 2020 runs around. And my, my power move was I'm going to open up two more kiosks in the mall. So I would have five locations. So I opened up another one in the Galleria downstairs by the food court. And then I opened up another one in Memorial City Mall, which, you know, is like the number two mall in the city. Right. And my goal was I got three, two brick and mortars. I got three, three mall locations. So now I'm going to start doing franchising around the city, also because all my all, all my locations were in the loop within the loop, right. the loop. So you know I'm thinking like Nino Brown, like I'm a I'm gonna have distribution taking the Carter in the city. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This be the Carter, and right. then I'm, you know I'm gonna have the loop, you know. And then COVID hit, and literally like the month after the, the month before I opened up those two new stores and malls, COVID hit, and I had to shut all three of them down. So mm. I spent a ton of money getting everything ready, getting those stores over. I just opened up my brick and mortar that nobody really knew about yet because it's in Third Ward. Mm. And I had these three stores, one of them was that was making me, you know, the lion's share of my money. 
and I had to close all all three of them down and then kind of focus my attention on my two brick and mortars. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's where you are right now. One in Third Ward. Now, for those who don't know, Third Ward is in Houston is how would you, how would you describe Third Ward? Because I have a di- maybe maybe have a different description. Third Ward is like the Harlem of Houston. Mm-hmm. You know, right? If, if, if you if, and just like when you go like to Sugar a- Hill, like if you think about Sugar Hill and like the 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 drivers in Houston, black doctors, lawyers, mm-hmm. that area between Rice and going toward University of Houston and mm-hmm. TSU was like, was that like McGregor, if I'm not mistaken, stuff like that mm-hmm. in that area? Scott. Prominent yeah. blacks running that area in that community. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and then you yeah. have the second storefront, which is- On the east end, east end of downtown. It's kind of like, um, it used to be bar- like barrio over here. Like it used, to, used to be, it still is kind of behind. It's kind of we're kind of tucked in between the middle of where it's, where it's, where it's Hispanic hood mm-hmm. meet you know a little bit of downtown. So we're kind they, of they they started building the arenas and stuff over that way. Yeah, right. Soccer so stadium, soccer stadium not too far. Gentrified a little bit more. You know, they found some cheap land. They built something up and they moved the people a little bit further away from it. But there's still that influence is still there. For sure. And then Fifth Ward is like right across the street. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we surrounded by hood, and right. I like being it. I like being that because most of our customers that come in, they they don't they don't they don't get this kind of product mm. or accessibility. Pro- accessibility yeah. matters, though, right? Yeah. Because if you don't know, like you don't know what you don't know, and even if you do know it, how do I get to it? How do I attain it? Why is it for me? Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds like something for those people who are gentrifying those communities, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's some of the information that you have to feed them by showing them this could be done and it works. And if you're into it, by all means, come in. Exactly. That was his buddy. Okay. He got a partner out there. Yeah. I guess he has the weed whacker. <laughs> Pump probably out there like, hurry up. Get it done. <laughs> Hold up. He might, he might walk back here again real quick. He's coming back this way. Hold up. All right. Let's rock. So you got the two storefronts. Mm-hmm. And I think what's really so key in what you said was that you like being in the community and showing people who look like us and other people who kind of look like us mm-hmm. that there is a way and mm-hmm. that there is a road to understand that your health is your wealth. Mm-hmm. And we want to come back and talk a little bit more health and wealth. My man, Juice Easy Bobby, on the other side of this on the open run with Will Strickland. Yeah, yeah. You're now listening to the sounds of the open run with Will Strickland in conversation with my brother, Juice Easy Bobby Humbert, talking about health and wealth and what we end up doing because on this podcast is where the lecture is conducted from the mic into the speaker. Mm-hmm. Last night's verses yeah. between the great Antonio Hardy mm-hmm. versus the artist formerly known as Lawrence Krishna Parker okay. went down. And I want, did you catch it? Did you catch any of it? I did. I did. Mm-hmm. I did. I was watching the, uh, what was that? Last night I was watching Versus. Okay. Well, that, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Oh, oh you, Chris Parker. Antonio Hardy with Antonio Hardy. Oh, you Big Daddy King. Big Daddy King. Right. And, and, and yeah. Lawrence Christopher Parker would yeah. be yeah. Yeah. Supreme over nearly everyone. Yeah. If no you doubt. take the first letters of what it just sung, you no spell doubt. his name. 
No doubt. KRS one. It's elementary. No doubt. Right? No doubt. So you had like two seconds. No doubt. But what did you think of the verses last night? It was dope. I think KRS one, I mean, I mean, Chris came to play. He came, he came, he was he came to battle. Right. I think the, the the dope thing about um versus is is you get to see you get to see these moments like that. Right. The, the downsides to to it is because because they um push it like it's a competition, even though they say, you know, we're just acknowledging each other, acknowledging each other and just da 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 da. Cats come in there really be wanting to like Chris came in there really wanting to go. You Cats, are an MC, you understand the battle at yeah. Come on, you want to be a number one b-boy in your area. Yeah. You want to win. Yeah. And Chris came on his AAA game. Game right. was dope. Game was dope, but I, I think, I think Chris just was like, he's just a monster, man. So you, you, you took, I mean, he came out and told. He said anybody can get it. LL Cool J can get it. Anybody in the game can get it. And I think they'll understand like the essence of when he says, you know, um, no dances, no lighting. You know, they want effects to make him look exciting. Mm-hmm. Right, and at the end of the day, you still have to MC. You have to move the crowd. You have to master the ceremony. Right. And Chris, like I'm like, damn, you know, Kane dressed up so he looked like Kane, but he yeah. still danced and everything. So right. he shows you you can still be a star and do all this other stuff. Back in the day when it was cool for the the star to dance, you didn't have to be play up and like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't do nothing. I do the same old two step. Everybody mm-hmm. else dances. Mm-hmm. Right. So Kane was on his thing, but Karis, I, I wish he'd come out with the jacket, spades, dapper dance right yeah, if you can still fit it. Oh yeah, because you know, you're doing a performance in this era. Like I get the whole street cred and come in like I'm rocking on the streets. Mm-hmm. But sometimes from a performance standpoint, and also to, well, to introduce yourself to a younger generation who might not know you in the attention economy, which is what I call everybody who fights or likes and retweets. Mm-hmm. That you have to reintroduce yourself, right? And I think he wanted to keep it to the ethos of the thing in the first place, and I get it. Mm-hmm. Because he came out ready to battle, he's ready to fight. I was just like, "How can you make a record called Breath Control, right, and be losing your breath control?" <laughs> I know we're getting older. I know we're getting older, and I know the excitement and adrenaline and everything. But I was just, I was just happy. I think the culture won, as, as, as they always do, and I think it's a great vehicle for to introduce not only you know the younger generation, allow us to have some nostalgia. And also give the flowers to the veterans, the, the, the respect the architects who helped to build this thing to what it is that we we can do stuff like this. Mm-hmm. No doubt. So no doubt. But you, it, feel, you feel like Harris won? I think Chris, I think Chris took him. Yeah. And it's crazy because I like, I'm not gonna say I like Kane more, but I'm more closer to Kane musically than I am to Chris, even though I'm even though it's like it's very close. Mm. I knew going into it, I was like, Chris is gonna knock his head off because I didn't seen Karis one perform too many times. Right. But he'll just come in by himself and tear a place down. I, the last time I saw him was here. I can't think of where we were at. But when I say he came in there, he can't he didn't even come to the back, he didn't come off the back behind the stage like everybody else normally does. Walk you walk through the crowd, right? He the crowd with a backpack on. <laughs> okay, so I'm saying down. Like hey. He, he took it back to the park jam. Yeah, man. He just, he and, just, it's something different about it. I, I always said the only person that could really kind of give him a run for his money would have been like a Buster. Oh, Buster, you you saw it last night when they pulled him up on stage. Not in and he dropped his mic. 
He said, yo, yo, KRS-One, get at me. And then backstage, they had a conversation. Now, he's not going to come on another, unless they start doing it like a battle league, mm-hmm. which they probably won't because that's a different lane altogether. But who's the only person that can face in, uh, I was about to give my answer away, face Buster in the verses? Like, think about the diversity and the ability to what he does vocally. Mm-hmm. I can manipulate words and sound. And him and Eminem. In, in diction and clarity. Yeah, him and Eminem would probably be the only mm-hmm. ones. That I guess anybody else he's going to eat up just on style on style alone. Right. And, you know, and the only one that, that you can kind of – if he had more catalog that could really, really give him a run for his money, would be um, like a mystical. But mystical's kind of mystical's energy is crazy. Yeah. You know what? I can see Kendrick Lamar because when I listen to Rigor Mortis, that second mm-hmm. verse of Rigor Mortis, mm-hmm. as a person who is an MC at heart, mm-hmm. I listen to that verse and I'm like, "There's no punch-ins on that." Mm-hmm. Son did that in one breath. Mm-hmm. There's only two people I know in, in the history of anything. That could do something like that, which is Kendrick Lamar Duckworth and Nathaniel Thomas Wilson, aka Cool G Rap. Okay. If you listen to Cool is back, four minutes of straight, like, and then he had a list too. Come on, dog. <laughs> Come on. Good. So I'm trying to figure out who who would be good for that. But if you had an opportunity with the Dream Versus, who would you choose to be in that? And again, I want to get the artist you want to choose, and then put one with you in it as well. Okay. Um, my, I think I'm gonna go by my like my favorite MCs. I mean, because I'm not gonna go to go by the, the the ones that everybody would definitely gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. Wise Intelligence is probably far for bar my top to one of my top MCs. Poor righteous uh, teachers. Righteous teachers. So I would say Wise Intelligence and either Black Thought or Tretch from Naughty by Nature. Okay. 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 I would, I would, the Jersey in me would want to keep it all Jersey. <laughs> all right, so it's gonna be treacherous and wise intelligent. Yeah, just because you know they so polar opposites as far as subject matter. Mm. Lyrically, them them dudes is like both like if you think about styles, the different styles and complexity of their styles, and those dudes, those two dudes are crazy. I mean, Eminem will tell you that he studied Master Ace, he studied Tretch, you know, he studied Wise Intelligent. Like he would tell you that. Mm-hmm. You know? I think so, one of his top favorite MCs is YZ. He put YZ. Right. So that's dope. Yeah, that's dope. So, and if you were in the verses, mm-hmm. I, I think I already know what the verses would be. But go ahead and tell me. Group. If I if I was if oh, I was just you me? against somebody else, hmm. I would probably say I'm gonna say somebody from Houston just to keep it all the way Houston. <laughs> I would say, um, What's old boy from the knee from the knee out? Oh, theology. Theology. I would pull somebody like that out. Wait, ask yourself how I could call that off the top of my nut. Yes. How, how did I know that off the top? How? Oh, that was I your people, right? Um, of course. That was your people's, right? Come on, man. I was the uh what was that? What, what was it? They used to be like I had the madhouse, madhouse no doubt. twin cats and that whole little crew, Snap and Theology and GT and Johnny Quest and all those guys. From back in the day, they used to be at my station almost every week. Mm-hmm. So when you said it and he had changed his name, I'm like, I knew you talking about because he had an opportunity. We should have gotten him signed. It was going to work. I don't know what happened with this whole thing with Cold Chill and Warner Brothers, but we had something locked in for yeah. the twins and him. Yeah, they just wouldn't take Snap. No yeah. disrespect to Snap, but that's just what they wanted, and it never worked out. Mm. 
But those you know, are all, those are all I was going I was going to pick you and YZ. That would that would be nice. That would be nice. That'd be nice. Thinking of Houston, and we every once in a while on the podcast we talk some basketball. Mm-hmm. Basketball season starts tonight, as a matter of fact, and Houston Rockets totally rebuilt. Young guys again. James Harden forced his way out. John Wall going to be traded. You have all these young guys in the team. There's still an energy about Houston Rockets because they won the championships in the 90s. Mm-hmm. They, they had an opportunities back when Chris Paul and Carmelo and James Harden were here. But now there's an excitement around these young guys. Have you mm-hmm. felt any of that with people coming to the shops and, and or anything like that? I mean, I live right down the street from the stadium. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not my store, my my East End store is right down the street from the stadium. So I'm always mm-hmm. When I'm driving through, driving through, I'm always dodging, hitting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Houston is just one of those places, man, where they just love their teens, man. They yeah, I mean, teams, the, the Astros are doing their thing right now in the playoffs. The Rockets not going to be doing their thing for a minute, but I like the young guys they have there with Jalen Green, who was the number two pick in the draft. Thought he should have been number one. He looks ready. Like he is star ready. He's star ready, and you got some younger guys from overseas. The guy who's the, the um, Eurobasket MVP, he's 19 years old. Alpri mm-hmm. Sengun, who's mm-hmm. playing on the team. Usman uh, Gabara, mm-hmm. who, who played on the Spanish national team. And he's a young guy coming in there. So Houston's going to look great in a couple of years if they can keep all these guys together. But yeah. you talked about being from New Jersey and coming to Houston and being really ingrained in society and the communities in Houston. I want you to give me your top five, so our starting five. Mm-hmm. New Jersey MCs by position. So point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward and center from New Jersey. Hmm. Since 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 Shaq is from Jersey. Oh, oh, you're cheating, but I love it. No, I can't be mad at that. I can't be mad at it. Newark stand up. Definitely center. So Shaq is the center. I guarantee you any team that you play is going to win. And I'm not a basketball dude. I'm not a sports dude. I could play a lot of sports, but I don't. I don't watch any sports at all. Right. So I don't know these positions. No, no I'm gonna tell you. So the point is, like, it is the person that runs things. He makes sure that everybody else eats. No doubt. And so that person from New Jersey would be. That person was probably is probably gonna be. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that person is probably gonna be Tretch. Okay. Tretch. Tell me why. Because Tretch, when Tretch had his run, when Naughty had their run, they ran. They mm. ran. They had nobody not rocking their hoodies, nobody not rocking their – they had underwear. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. Trust me. I did all the promotions with yeah. um, Tommy Boy back in the day, and they were doing the first – actually, one of the first rap promo stickers ever mm-hmm. was you down with OPP, and you yeah. put them everywhere, and people were trying to figure out what OPP meant, which mm-hmm. only made them more visible when it came out. And he explained it in the song. Them and their 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 logo and the Wu Tang logo, I think, are neck and neck for two of the most popular logos. Not Easily. even just in hip hop, but music. Period. Right. Yeah, you I got think. Rolling Stones, you got Kiss, you got Run DMC, you got EPMD. They're mm-hmm. right in that same vein for sure. So Tretch is your point. Your shooting guard is like a Kobe or Michael Jordan. Like they're gonna go out and score every time they jump out there. I'm gonna say that's wise because wise is probably the most most consistent. Jersey MC to me. Mm-hmm. Period. I'm trying this is to your think- team. This is your team. I'm but I would to- say, like, I would have put Lauren Hill there. Lauren would be dope. Because what she did, like, she's going to score. No matter you're going, whether you like her or you don't like her, Lauren's going to score. You hear on Nobody with Nas, 
and you'd be like, Lauren still got them bars. Mm, that's true. The Very first true. woman, she won the most Grammys in one night of any artist, not male or female, or however you gender identify in the history of the thing mm -hmm. with a miseducation. Mm -hmm. And she's Jersey. Yeah, so all day. She, that's, like, that's, like, that's like six rings for Jordan. Yeah. yeah. Lauren Hill at the two. So I would pick Lauren Hill. But I, would, I, would, I, like your, I like your point. But now that you brought up Lauren, because honestly, I wasn't even thinking about Lauren, because I don't even think about Lauren as an MC no more. She's so surpassed being a. Mm, she rapper. will always be an MC. Because okay. have you listened to that Nas joint with Hit Boy? Yeah, she's super solid. She's so. Solid. I would do with her. Let's let's replace. We're gonna replace Wise at that position. Okay. And then, and then what's my next position? Small forward, like he's okay. the person or that position can do anything. So rebound, shoot. Pass, defend, they can do it all. We're gonna move wise to that position because he's right. so versatile. You know what I mean? Like that's that's this is Shaquilla and rock this funky joint back to back and like that's the same dude. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So okay, and we already got Shaq at the center. So yeah. who is your power forward? I'ma definitely say I'ma definitely say Z. Okay. Z, let me I'm a, let me be straight up about Z. Bar for bar, you listen, if you put his best work up against you know, peers at yeah. Oh, he's masterful. Mm. And this is coming from a dude that was a that's a that that came from dancing. He didn't come from rapping, rapping. Right. He wasn't at the battles when we was at the battles. We was battling niggas. Like they would they would battle niggas at the mall dancing and all. You right. Know, Latin quarters and all of that shit. Me and my me and his younger brother was the tear your head off, go to go to the different towns, battle niggas, come out mm. in town fighting. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? For Z to come from from not not that traditional background of battle rapping and mm. all of that and be as nice as he is, and he's probably one of the he's probably probably one of the pe people that that I love the most and hate the most sometimes. So this right. is a pure place of me just recognizing his talent. He's super super nice, like writing wise. You know, listen to some of his old old projects and how he go from like a song like Dead Love to Ghetto's Been Good to Me to. Mm. You know, and then he's not even a battle MC, but him and him and Wise Intelligence had one of the most notorious battles back in the in the early nineties. They cool, they super cool now. But mm. I was there doing all them battles. I was at at the crib when we went over to Wise and them crib, and they squashed the beef. I was, you know, but he he's su he's super 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 nice. Now I'm yeah. not mad at that, and I I am I have a bias mm -hmm. because I would look at. Like the people that could make this list, the Queen Latifahs. Mm -hmm. I could talk about Do It All and Mr. Funky from the, uh, Lords of the Underground. I could talk about a bunch of, I could talk about the Jula Son Dula, mm -hmm. King's son. Mm -hmm. no you doubt. know, mm -hmm. but I'm gonna go with the young man, the artist, also known as Reginald Noble. Reggie Noble's dope. As my power forward, if I was to choose a team, but I love your team and I guess. At the end of the day, I know you don't play sports, but you know enough about them to to, to know in basketball. Like, if you had an opportunity to play one on one against anybody, who would it? It's almost like your dream versus who would it be and why? Um, if I had a chance to play one on one, who and why? Slick Rick. Really? Yeah. Okay. Why? I'll tell you why. Because when I was coming up, he was such the measure. He was like the he was such the standard of fly nigga. <laughs> I will always consider myself to be a fly nigga. You know what I mean? mean what, what, if they don't know your rap name, because I keep calling you Juicy Z Bobby because that's where you are right now. But yeah. tell them what your rap name was. 
is be fine. It's be fine. It started out be fine and then it became Bobby fine. And then, you know, but I've always been like super nice, but always been a fly nigga. And, and slick rig is just the pinnacle of fly <laughs> niggas. You know what I mean? And I would just love to be able to, not even saying that, you know, if, I, if we went head to head, I would win, but just to be able to soak up that essence of that dude. Right. I've only been around him maybe twice. We brought him down here for a show at the Roxy years ago, me and Rashad mm-hmm. Alameen. And uh, and then I saw him perform here maybe a couple years, a few years ago. But that dude is just, he's hes just, have you ever went on his Instagram? Forget about his Instagram. You know, so I had everybody who was on Def Jam on tour back in the day when I was in school. Mm-hmm. Hang out with Rick for a week. Mm-hmm. Did you? <laughs> And then seeing him after he got out of jail and everything, he's still gonna be Rick no matter yeah. what. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. You could walk in my favorite uh patty spot in the Bronx. The mm-hmm. only spot in the world I'll eat patties from mm-hmm. is Kingston Bakery on mm-hmm. 226 in White Plains. I'm giving them the advertising for sure. <laughs> because I'm telling you, you go in there, it's the actual factory. Mm-hmm. You can see them making them, they put them on the thing, they roll them through the heat, mm-hmm. it comes out, they shove them in a box. Mm-hmm. No mess, no mm. fuss. Just mm. take those. Cocoa bread. You some cocoa bread, a Nantucket nectar, the mango joint, and you walk out. Mm-hmm. And that seeing Slick Rick walk up in there that day, mm-hmm. come on, man. He had like thousands of dollars in gold. You know, he had the big plate on. Yeah. He walks in and he goes, he's ready to order. He's like, no, 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 sir. Your money's no good here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, mm-hmm. it's a trip. He still got that like that. So Slick Rick is a good one, man. But who's also a good one, my man Juice Easy, Bobby Humbert. Let's make sure you let the people know where they can find you. As a matter of fact, and I feel bad that we weren't running the banner throughout the show. We should have been doing that. I don't know why it wasn't up, okay. but I mean, you can let them know where they can reach you. Yeah? No doubt. The best way to get me is on my website, juiceeasyonline.com. Uh, my Instagram is uh, uh, juiceeasyonline. That's those are the best two ways to get me, man. And I personally answer all my emails, all my all my IG messages. Go on my website. You can down. You can check out all of our all of our, all of our products. You can check out some merch. Like we do it all. We got, right. a, we, got a, we got a candle line called Wick Wick Wax. We got a we got a soap. We got uh, soap. We got. Yo, uh, look that that um. Man. I gotta have the beatbox joint when I come in the, the beat based drink. So I'm coming by to support as I always do. But I appreciate you and love you, my brother. Appreciate you too, big bro. Love you too, man. See you soon. Yes, sir. It is now winning time on the open run with Will Strickland. I want to thank my brother, Juice Easy Bobby Humbert of the Funk Fam, guy who has turned his health into his wealth, looking to see more black entrepreneurs doing their thing, male, female, or however you gender identify in our communities and for our communities. And now on to the news, views, and truths that you choose on the NBA and beyond. Shouts out to young Zaire Wade, the son of Dwayne Tyrone Wade Jr. and part owner of the Utah Jazz. Zaire has signed a G League contract with the Salt Lake Stars. People are screaming nepotism as if other people have never done that before. Zaire's going to get a shot. Is that the route that maybe Bronny James goes eventually? Who knows? We'll find out. 
But shouts out to Zaire. Best of luck to you. Shouts out to Leangelo Ball. LeJello Ball. He's going to be taking a bunch of jello shots with the Greensboro Swarm, the G League affiliate of the Charlotte Hornets. So congratulations to him. Salute to Tyrese Halliburton, who had his third-year option picked up by the Kings. He's going to be a star somewhere. I love the way he plays. I love his game. They got a, a problem in that backcourt. Somebody's got to go eventually. I don't, they have a glutted backcourt, but I'm hoping for the best for this young man because I really like his game. Also, shouts out to the newly minted four-year $105 million contract of Jaron Jackson Jr. of the Memphis Grizzlies, who got his rookie extension as well. And well, I have real questions about his fitness and readiness to take that next step as a player. The potential is there. The check shows it. And so, congrats to him. Congrats to Bucks GM John Horst, who signed a multi-year deal. Notice they never tell you the money that the front office is making. Odd. Or not. Whatever the case is, shout out to John Horse for getting his check after winning a championship with the Milwaukee Bucks. Want to see how his moves are going to pan out this season. And, and Tyler Hero was looking for his extension, much like these young players are all around the league and collecting big checks. He believes he's in the same conversation, or should be, as a Rayford Trey Young, as a Luca Lamar with two R's, Doncic, yes, I gave him that middle name, and Demetrius Jamel Morant. He feels like he's in the combo. Read that as, I deserve to be in that tax bracket. I don't know, Tyler. Better come back, get that Duncan Robinson check, see what happens. On the flip side of that, everybody getting money, these young guys getting their money, are the roster cuts, including some very high visibility draft picks from years past being waived as we're getting down to 15 players in season readiness. Jabari Parker was the number two pick in the 2014 draft. He's only 26 years old, out of league. Dante Exum, number five pick in that same draft in 2014, bounced around a bunch. Cut. The number three pick in the 2015 draft, Jalil Okafor from Duke. Not going to be able to do it. Waved. The number five pick in the 2016 draft, Chris Dunn. Waved. And the number eight pick in 2016 draft, Marquise Chris. Waved. What does this tell us? That scouting is an inexact science. That you can never really tell Who's going to be starting? If you can, some of those guys are outliers, of course. But guys that are projected as being stars, like Jabari Parker, who's supposed to be like the next Grand Hill, never happened. Injuries, part of the game. And I remember his statement about Derrick Rose when he came back to Chicago and saying that Derrick's already paid it forward. He's already become a legend in Chicago. He's one of the best players to ever play the game. If you're named MVP of the NBA, you're one of the best players who ever played the game. I still have questions about whether he's going to make the Hall of Fame, but... And the Homeboy Hall of Fame is, at least in Chicago and Inglewood, Chicago, you know what I'm talking about. Derrick Rose is a star. He's a Hall of Famer. Jabari Parker feels the same way. I don't know if that's going to happen for him, but such is life. Another high visibility draft pick, the number one pick in the 2019 NBA draft, Dion Williamson, recovering from a broken foot from this past summer. And now the front office is saying there is, in quotes, no fixed timeline for his return. That's not a good thing, New Orleans. Brandon Ingram, this is your life. And I have a Duke corollary that has only been proven untrue one time. And that was by, of all people, Kyrie Andrew Irving and Dante Jones, who won a championship in 2016 in Cleveland with the Cavaliers. But never before in the history of the game had there been an NBA championship team that had two or more Duke players on it. Zion went to Duke. Brandon Ingram went to Duke. I don't know. Willie Green, you got your work cut out for you, my man. 
But it's time to talk about the ladies. Let's give the ladies some credit. The WNBA Finals are now done. We're going to get to that in a second. But I want to talk about a league called Athletes Unlimited. They have a new women's pro league starting in 2022. 44 players. And it emphasizes incentivizing individual stats and earning points as a result. So I guess if you score 30 points, you get this many points. You go up the leaderboard, you get money based on that. Which I guess is kind of a cool thing. I don't know if that's actually the ethos of basketball, but I get it. It's a different way to play it. I'm not knocking it. Full Court 21 is different than how people play the game anyway. So, again, anybody who's trying to enhance and bring to the game instead of taking away from it, I'm all for it. It will not conflict with the WNBA season. It goes on from January 29th to February 28th. It's going to be in the same city. More details are to follow. But good luck to Athletes Unlimited, their co-founder, John Patrickoff, and everyone else involved in that. And on to the WNBA Finals, where the Chicago Sky first introduced into the league in 2006. Went to the Finals in 2013, if I'm not mistaken, 2014, with then-Rookie of the Year Elena Deladon and eventual Hall of Famer and four-time Defensive Player of the Year in the league, Sylvia Fowles. They got swept in the Finals by the Phoenix Mercury. Well, this time, the revenge has been meted out by the new-look Chicago Sky, who won in four games, 3-1, to one, over the Phoenix Mercury. Kalia Copper was named the MVP, and she's earned it, Okay. She barely played her first four years. Barely played. Got an opportunity this, as a starter in 2020. Shine made an all-star game and was on after that. You want to see your star players increase the productivity in the playoffs. She did that this year. Came up big in the big moments. But they were just a better team. They were just a better team. You see the names up top. You see Candace Parker. You see Courtney Vandersloot. You see Allie Quigley. Kalia Copper was everything for them, and she earned her MVP. So salute to the Chicago Sky and everything they've done for women's basketball this season. I thought it was a very exciting season. I did not anticipate them at all being in that mix, but the veteran leadership of Vandersloot, Parker, Quigley, along with the stellar play of MVP Kalia Copper, kudos. Before I go, And this is very interesting that I'm going to give stats for the Women's National Basketball Association to a male. But James Wade, the coach of the Chicago Sky, was endorsed by Candace Parker, who watched him coach in Russia of all places and said, look, he's the right guy for this team. He knows the game. I think he's going to be the guy that should get this job. So her co-sign meant a lot. And he got on the podium and he talked about, you know, never judging a book by its cover and that his son watched him coach. Didn't care about whether he's coaching women or men coached and they won that's all that matters at the end of the day it was very heartfelt post-championship conversation and speech he had to explain how he had to work for all this and even with the hard work that'd be some recognition didn't matter if he was coaching men or women but here's the third black coach to ever win a championship in the WNBA the first one Michael Cooper with the Sparks you know former NBA champion Michael Cooper and maybe it didn't hit him as hard because he'd been a champion before Or Courtney Gaines, who, while he won a championship there in Phoenix, there's some stuff that went on behind the scenes that didn't bode well for him staying there. James Wade has an opportunity to do something special. And again, I love the parody of the WNBA. I love the fact that year to year, you know who the quality teams are. Like this year, we knew that the Aces in the West were going to be great. In the East, we had the Connecticut Sun. And neither one of those guys made the finals. As I predicted earlier, I thought those are the two best teams. Maybe they were on paper, 
we don't play the games there. So salute to James Wade and the Chicago Sky. And as I look at the WNBA 25 at 25, 10 current players in the league made that list, including Diana Taurasi, who is considered the GOAT by many people, Brianna Stewart, Candace Parker, Neka Agumake, Angel McCautry, Brittany Griner, Sylvia Fowles, Elena Deladon, Tina Charles, and Sue Bird of the Seattle Storm. The 15 retired players, Simone Augustus, Swin Cash, Tamika Catchings, who was noted as number one in ESPN based on her stats, but what else do you judge the best player on in WNBA history, unless it's stats. Maybe it's championships that set her apart from somebody like Diana Taurasi, who has three championships. Didn't win this year. Alonda Griffith, Becky Hammond, Lauren Jackson, Lisa Leslie, Tisha Pinachero, Cappy Pondexter, Katie Smith, Cheryl Swoops, Tina Thompson, Lindsey Whalen, and arguably the greatest player who ever played the game in the WNBA, Cynthia Cooper who may as well be George Mikan or Bill Russell, according to the recency bias kids out here. She was the leader of the first dynasty in the WNBA. They won four straight, the first four. She won an MVP at 37 years old. She became a star at 34. Her story is amazing. But the person I believe, and the last person on this list, not necessarily on the list, but in my mind today, and as it fits my narrative, Maya Moore, out of sight, out of mind, Maya Moore. It's not like she played way back in the day in the 90s, like Cynthia Cooper. Maya Moore won more championships than Diane Taurasi. Has a resume quite similar to hers in WNBA. Quite similar, if not better than hers. Four championships, MVPs, all kinds of stuff. But because we haven't seen her, because of her social justice work, where she freed a man and then eventually married this man she was working to free for years. Is she the GOAT? Is she the Muhammad Ali of the WNBA? The Colin Kaepernick of the WNBA? I don't know. Some people might call her the... No, I'm not even going to Kyrie. Let me stop. Before we get out of here, this phrase that used to be thrown around quite a bit about basketball players who just so happen to be women. You hoop like a girl. Maybe it used to mean just that to insecure and sensitive men, many of whom would get washed looking to compete with these amazing athletes. It was the things that are said in silence that really reveal what they really feel. Maybe they felt that way back then, and maybe many feel that way now. But we know better. So go, ladies. With that said, do remember, do what's popular with the population. Make sure you don't get beat off the dribble. And keep listening to the podcast where basketball and life are one it's the open run with Will Strickland. Rich Kid, the sound provider. It's about that time, my guy. Let's make it happen, Captain. Easy. Okay.